0: Amen. Well, we are uh, excited to kick off a new series called Miracles, and and, uh, Pastor Ken Gallion is going to be with us today. Uh, He is uh, one of the guys that I went with to uh, Africa just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we had the opportunity and the privilege to teach and train some pastors there. And while we were there, he taught a a message on obedience that uh, as I I sat there and as I listened to it, I I felt like the Lord said, Mike, uh, Journey Church uh, needs to hear that. Uh, So our church, you know, God... uh, Blessed, he anointed the message, and uh, man, I'm thankful for the call that's on Ken's life. We just talked about it, you know, last week, uh, just that call, and so there's a call in his life, and he has a passion for, uh, for Africa, and it was really cool, in the first service, we had a young lady here from Ethiopia, for her first Sunday, she just happened to choose today, how about that? Wow. And we got amen. to connect and uh, talk with her, and uh, so I'm going to, you know, I asked Ken to come and preach, but I, I said this to the first service, I'm going to unleash him on you guys, so uh, have fun, brother. Amen, amen. You have your Bibles, would you turn with me to First Samuel chapter sixteen? We want to consider in this time of miracles, we want to consider the place of obedience. Miracles being found in the place of obedience. If you would, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? First Samuel sixteen, we want to read about the first six, seven verses. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. And Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I think you guys know Pastor Mike likes to hunt. And I was thinking about this time together with you, and I just want to thank you for this privilege and thank Pastor Mike and his uh, wife Lori for being able to be with you guys this morning. And I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about you guys coming to hear and reminded me of the Amish farmer heard a rustling in the hen house. And so he grabbed his shotgun and he went out to the hen house thinking that the fox was getting after his chickens. But when he got to the hen house, he found to his surprise, it was his next door neighbor that was in his hen house stealing his chickens. And he said, neighbor, thou knowest that I love thee. And neighbor, I'm not a man of violence. But neighbor, thou art standing where I'm fixing the shoot. Like that, neighbors, you know I love you, but you're sitting where I'm fixing to shoot. Miracles, the place of obedience. No more beautiful picture of obedience than our Lord Jesus Christ, who became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Wherefore God has also highly exalted Him and given Him a name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Today, as we consider a time of miracles, and as we consider being obedient to the Lord, I want to show you in the Scripture the importance of the place of obedience. First thing I want you to notice is God anoints us in the place of obedience. He anoints us in the place of obedience. Now, this particular passage in 1 Samuel 16 is about the anointing of King David as the king over Israel. If you know anything about the history of this passage, you know that Israel's, this was not their first king. Their first king was Saul. And if you know anything about how Israel got a king, it's because they noticed that the nations around them had kings, and so they went to Samuel the prophet, and they said, Samuel, we want a king the way that the other nations have kings. And so Samuel went to God and said, God, they're, they're rejecting me as the prophet and they want a king. And God said, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. Because you see, God never intended for Israel to have any other king than King Jesus. But yet there are times, and listen, there are times when God will allow you to have what you're determined to have so that when you get it, It's not satisfying. And you'll say, you know, I I wished I would have been satisfied to receive what God wanted for me rather than having things my way. Now, this is the anointed meeting. This is the meeting that was initiated by God. And God told Samuel, He said, stop mourning over Saul. I've rejected him as the king. It's over. He still wore the armor. He still sat on the throne. This is Saul, but he was not the king. And he told Samuel, he said, Go to Bethlehem. Take Jesse and his sons from among his sons. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to show you which one to anoint to me. Now get this. First king was Saul. That was the people's choice. Second king was David. This is God's choice. A man after God's own heart. So now let's go to the anointed meeting and let's consider that God anoints us in the place of obedience. In this passage, we can see that God told Samuel, go to Bethlehem, carry Jesse, his sons, take the oil. And He said, I will show you from Jesse's sons which one it will be. Now in verse 6 and 7, we see a shift in this meeting. Now Samuel, who if anybody was to know the will of God, Samuel the prophet of God was supposed to know the will of God. If you look at verse 6, you'll see that Samuel jumped to a conclusion. It says, When they came, he looked on Eliab, which was the oldest son, and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Get the picture. Samuel, he said he's the one. Eliab, he probably already was kneeling and saying, I'm the one. Jesse, the father, he's the one. Now all of a sudden this... Samuel's making his way to anoint Eliab, the king over Israel. God says, no! You see, man does not see things the way God sees things. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. This morning, in the midst of this time of miracles, it's not how we look on the outside. That's important. What's important is what God sees on your heart. So now the focus of the meeting changes. This is very interesting. Samuel had made the mistake that is a warning for all of us who lead in the house of God in any kind of way. Don't presume to know the will of God based on what you see or what you think. God will reveal His will. We are not to figure it out based on what we can see or what we think. And so now, all of a sudden, Samuel's attention moves off of people and he places his eyes on God. Brings in the next son. Okay, Lord, is this the one? No. Next son. Lord, you told me to come to Bethlehem. You told me to bring the oil. You said it was one of Jesse's sons. Lord, is this the one? No. Now, I don't know about you. But I'd say we're running out of brothers. <laughs> Next one. By now, I don't know Samuel's prayer life, but I can imagine he's getting very serious about his prayer life. He's calling on the Lord. He said, Now, you told me where to come, you told me what to bring, you told me one of Jesse's sons. Lord, do you see how many's left? Is this the one? No. Next one. no. Next one. No. Last one. Can you imagine the quandary in Samuel's mind? He goes over all of it again. I'm at the right place, the right time. I'm doing what you said. I brought the oil. You said, "Lord, do you understand this? Have you ever told God? Have you ever told him, that? "Lord, do you know what you're doing? You ever Me too. Is that just our ignorance, arrogance, all of that? Lord, do you know what you're doing? This is the last one. Is this the one? No! Ay, ay, ay. Now I can just imagine in his mind, he's thinking, oh man, how did I miss it? I knew I heard from God. But all of a sudden, in a moment of inspiration, God places a question in his heart and he turns to Jesse and he says, do you have any more sons? He said, yep, got one more. He's the youngest. He's the littlest. But he's out keeping the sheep. Now notice this. Notice the importance of the place of obedience. David did not even get invited to the meeting. But yet David was the king. Now I want to remind us something. God knows more about you than your earthly father knows about you. You see, God knew something about David that his own father didn't know about David's own father, Jesse, didn't even think that David was even had a chance to be the king. But he was the king. Also, notice what else. You don't need man's invitation to receive God's anointing. I want to tell you something, this will set this will set a Baptist preacher free. I'm telling you. I think I'm gonna have a spell here in just a minute. <laughs> they held up the meeting. Now imagine now scholars tell us that David was probably sixteen or seventeen years old. Now you've got to understand, I'm the youngest in my family. I have two older brothers, an older sister. And you got to know, when I was being raised up, if I was 15, 16 years old, if my daddy and my two brothers, let's say they went to the anointed meeting or whatever it was, and they said, You stay home and cut the grass. Sorry, probably wouldn't find me cutting the grass. And let's just, for the sake of everyone here, let's just ask the what if question. What if, when they went looking for David, if He wasn't in the place of obedience? And what about you? You may be in church today. You may have a big Bible. You may look pretty on the outside, but God sees what's on the inside. Are you in the place of obedience? God anoints us. Anoint is not a weird or kooky word. Don't get freaked out about it. Anoint means the presence of God in our life. Anoint can be likened unto being born again to be saved. Do you know for sure that you've saved, that you're born again? If not, today, as a matter of obedience, the Bible says today is the day and now is the time. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. Second thing I want you to notice is God not only anoints in the place of obedience, but secondly, He trains us In the place of obedience, he trains us in the place of obedience. In this next chapter, in chapter 17, there's a familiar story of David and Goliath. Some of you may be familiar with it, some may not. But here's the deal David went back home, he was still underneath his daddy's household. And David's brothers went to war, and they went serving under Saul. Imagine, get the picture. Saul wore the armor, he sat on the throne. But he was not the king. He was leading a nation without any word or any direction from God. That's a terrible, awful, frightening thought. And now, David, just doing what his father said, his father says, take the wine and cheese and these gifts for the captain of the host. Go down and give these to the captain of the host and check on your brothers and bring back a report to me so I can know how your brothers are faring at the battlefront. They were in the Valley of Elah. Here's the picture. There's a mountain ridge on this side. There's a mountain ridge on this side and the valley in between. The army of Israel is is all along the, the ridge of this mountain. And the Philistine army is all along the ridge of this mountain. In the valley in between for 40 days, nine foot tall Goliath. The biggest, the ugliest, the baddest man on the face of the earth came out for 40 days, pointed his finger at the armies of the living God, and he cursed them by his God's little G. And he dared, if you send one man down to fight me, and if he beats me, we, all the Philistines, will serve Israel. But if I defeat him, then all of Israel will serve us, the Philistines." And for 40 days, no one would go down and face Goliath. Just so happened, David, in the place of obedience, doing what his father said, shows up on the battlefront and he begins to hear this noise from the valley. And he puts the things that his father sent with him to the side. He goes and checks it out. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should curse the armies of the living God? And then they began to tell uh, David, they said, oh, you don't know, that's Goliath, man. He's a giant. He's the baddest dude around. And he's challenged us. Well, what's going to happen if somebody goes down there and defeats Goliath? Well, they tell David, they said, well, you'll get to marry one of the king's daughters. Now, I don't know how good a deal that was. We don't know how pretty they were. <laughs> but this next part, I, I, I like this next part. It says, and you and your household will be free in Israel all the days of your life. Man, I'd love to get a call from Trump saying, hey, Ken, no, don't send any, any more taxes. No more taxes. You keep it from now on. You guys are free for the rest of your life. Oh, hallelujah. That would be a great day. Amen? And when David was talking, guess who heard? His brother Eliab. Now, you got to get the picture here. Eliab and the rest of the soldiers are hiding on the mountain ridge. They're hiding in the ditch from Goliath. Here's Eliab. He's looking up at David out of the ditch. He says, David, what are you doing down here? The Bible said when he heard David's voice that anger was kindled within him. In other words, he left that meeting. When his brother got anointed, he left the meeting mad because his brother was favored over him. Sounds familiar? And then he began to accuse his brother. You know what I love about David? David didn't go down in the ditch and fight with his brother. And that's what's happening in far too many of our churches. There's far too many of us that's fighting amongst our brethren and nobody's facing the enemy. Hello? Amen or oh me. But the Bible said David just turned to another. I love that. I learned this in the first six months of ministry, Pastor Mike. I learned there were two... Knuckleheads up in my face all the time. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's whatever. It's like, here's the thermometer. Turn it on, whatever you want it. I got a baby to deliver. I don't care. Some of y'all get that. Some of you don't. It's all right. But after six months, the Lord says, hey, you're trying, moving all your effort, trying to minister those who wouldn't receive the Lord Jesus if He was here on the earth. And there's others that's just waiting, ready to receive what God has in store for them through you. Can you imagine? God said it's time to grow up. Time to grow up. So, word got to Saul. we got a giant killer. There's one out there in the ranks, Saul, that's going to go face Goliath. Can you imagine Saul had been sitting back in his tent for 40 days hiding and then all of a sudden he said, Whoa, there's a giant, somebody's going to go face Goliath. i got to see this guy. And the Bible said that David walked in in front of Saul and Saul said, oh, no, David. David, you're just a youth. You're just a young punk. And this guy's been a warrior since he was just a boy. Now that will encourage you on it. But you know what David said? This is what I love. David didn't read him his resume and say, hey, I've been to army man school and I can jump out of a helicopter and I can shoot a... AK-47, you know what he did? He said, while I was tending my father's sheep, on the backside of the desert when no one was around, he said, while I was in the place of obedience, there came a lion and there came a bear. And if God gives the lion and God gave the bear, then God can give this uncircumcised Philistine. Wow. Wow. You see, that's practical application of what God teaches you in private. You can face the enemy in public. But if you've not been spending time with God in private, then you're not prepared to face the enemy in public. And so David said, I'm telling you, God's prepared me for this day. And David understood then, it's like all of his dreams came forward. I know why God had me on the backside of the desert all this time. And he said, Saul, I'll go down and fight him. And Saul said, okay. And I love this next part. I love it, but I don't love it. Saul said, if I were you. In other words, I'd wear this armor and I'd carry this sword. If I was going to kill a giant, this is how I would do it. Forgive me. Uh-uh. For those of you who, let me break it down for you so you know, I'm a redneck. Uh, and I, I, I kind of feel like I'm probably amongst a few rednecks and hardheads and rebellious folks. And we think, you know what a redneck is? Is someone who thinks he knows everything about everything, but when in fact he knows nothing about nothing. <laughs> but he likes to come across. But in myself, I don't want somebody to tell me how to kill a giant if you ain't never killed one. I'm sorry, don't. This is the way it fleshed out for me, Mike. I I can't tell you about you, but when word got out I was first going to Africa back in the 90s, I remember a lady come running through the church and said, Pastor Ken, you don't need to be going to Africa. You're going to get eaten by a lion. Man, I didn't see a lion for the first 11 years I went to Africa. And as you can tell, it hadn't happened yet. Maybe it will, I don't know. But then I... yeah, amen. As long as my wife prays for me. <laughs> then I had another man come to me and he said, You know, Pastor Ken, you don't need to be going to Africa. So we got enough lost folks right here, right outside the door of the church. You don't need to go to Africa. we got plenty of lost folks right here. And I said, You know, you're right. We're going after them tomorrow night. We're going out knocking on doors tomorrow night. will not you come go with us? Oh, I think I might have a headache tomorrow night. Uh, Mama may want me to cut the grass. David was more gracious than I was. David tried on Saul's uniform. The Bible said he could not even walk in it. And he told Saul in a gracious manner, he said, Saul, I can't go with this. I've not tried it. So the Bible said that David put on a shepherd's pouch and a slingshot. Now get the picture. And he slipped down the side of the cliff. God anoints, He trains, and last, He gives victory in the place of obedience. When David, hallelujah, when David slipped down the side of that cliff, can you imagine as Saul, as he went out of Saul's tent, Saul says, oh no, it's over with. As all of Israel saw David coming down the side of that cliff, side of that mountain, they said, oh no, it's over with. As the Philistines saw David coming down that cliff, They said, oh, boys, get ready. It's over with. It's over with. Some folks thought last night it was over with. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Can't help it. It was in there. But David knew something that no one else that had gathered that day knew. He would later write that 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You see, David knew that the battle was not his. It was the Lord's. And when David went down in that valley, he was not alone. Goliath thought that it was just him and David. And Goliath began to curse David. He said, have you sent a dog down here to fight with me? Am I a flea that you're going to send a dog down here to, to fight with me? No, he said, am I a dog that you'll send a flea down here to fight with me? I mean, he was cursing David. And he said, David, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the field today in all of Israel. And David said, and this is the King Kenny version, No, you ain't. He said, you come to me today with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God Jehovah. Hallelujah. David, he took that rock out. He put it in that pouch and he wound it up. He threw it before anybody knew what had happened. all of a sudden, Goliath was hit. He fell on his face. Oh, can you imagine? All of Israel jumps up and said, what happened? All the Philistines jumped up. What happened? About that time, David's climbing up on top of Goliath. And the Bible said he didn't even have a sword. He looked around and he saw that Goliath had a sword. The Bible said he took his sword. He must have said, well, he don't need his. Chopped his head off and he pulled his head up. And the Bible said when the enemy saw that their champion was dead, they fled. They ran. And Israel defeated all of the Philistines that day. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is not a fairy tale. This is not a fable. This is truth written about a man after God's own heart. But now we need to just get real in the room because now is that moment of truth for us. As a church journey, you've said that we declare that we're going to move in a pathway of miracles, giving your very best gift to the Lord at Christmas time to get the gospel around the world locally and globally. Your pastor, your leadership has not asked you to do anything other than be obedient. That's all you need to do is just say, Lord, what would you have us to do? Let me obey you. For some today, the place of obedience for you is during this time as we've been sharing the Word, the Holy Spirit of God, it's the most amazing thing I've ever come to know is the Holy Spirit of God goes breast to breast, and He goes heart to heart, and He's looking at every heart here. On the outside, you may appear okay, but on the inside, some of you may be like I was. I was raised in a Christian home. I walked the aisle at the age of 10. I went through the baptismal waters. And if you'd asked me to believe the Bible is true, I'd have said yes. If you'd asked me, do you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, I'd have said yes. You see, I had all the right answers in my head, but I had never been born again. And that was because I believed the facts intellectually, but I had never surrendered to the place of obedience. There's some of you here today that the Bible says today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Wonderful thing. When I became pastor, I was not qualified in the standards of the churches. With this, I'll close. But I was teaching Sunday school. I was born again. I loved Jesus. And I had one of my Sunday school members stay after class, and he says, Hey, our church is without a pastor. Would you mind submitting your resume down to our church and see if they might call you there as the interim pastor or, you know, fill in or whatever? And I said, Sure, but I'd never filled out a resume for any church, so I didn't really know how to do that. I'd lost my job just a couple of months before. I was cutting grass, and my wife was babysitting. It was the most crazy and wonderful time of our life. It was in that place of obedience this church that they sent my resume to they had done a survey among the church folks and they did 10 things they were looking for in a pastor i did not meet one single requirement not one and so they got word back to my wife after about 3 weeks she asked one of the ladies that was involved in that process said have you heard anything and she just dropped her head and said they looked at your husband's resume and they're not interested don't be sad. You wouldn't be interested either if you saw my resume. It's, it's okay. But I was preaching for my pastor about 10 miles away from this church, and somebody got word to them that I was preaching, and they said, let's get the committee up there to listen to it. Just what can it hurt? I didn't know they were there. My wife knew it. She wouldn't tell me because she knew I'd be nervous. And so God did it, not me. Just one of those blessed times where the Lord just moves in. And you have one of those God moments. And I hear you guys have been having many lately. Next day, I get a phone call from the chairman of the committee. I said, would you come and preach at our church, no strings attached? Well, I I didn't know what that meant, no strings attached. They said, we don't want you to come in view of a call. Well, I didn't know what in view of a call meant. That means that basically you're trying out to see if they want you to come as their pastor. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll preach at the jail. I'll preach on the sidewalk. I'll preach. I'll be glad to preach there. Well, the week before I was to go, I called my buddy Nick. He and I used to do drugs together before I was born again. And I said, hey, Nick, why don't you come hear me preach Sunday? He said, man, why do I want to hear you preach? You preach to me every time you talk to me on the telephone. (laughs) He said, man, I don't want to hear you preach. He hung the phone up. It's amazing what a dainty little wife can do that maybe rednecks can't make other rednecks do. My wife led his wife to Jesus the Monday before the Sunday. And we went to church that morning. She drug him in down on about the second pew. (laughs) And I thought to myself, oh, me, miracles, miracles. That Sunday morning after church, they took us home and we ate in their home. And he had hired me to cut his grass the next week. And I was out in the yard just picking up sticks and praying, preparing to go back to church that night. He snuck out. I didn't know it. He snuck out and walked up behind me and said, Hey, man, you got to me today. Man, I thought it was the audible voice of God. Scared me to death. I said, Oh. I said, Nick, don't do that, man. I was just talking to the Lord. I thought He started talking back, man. I mean, I know His voice, but never have I heard it audibly. It's louder than that, okay? He said, Man, when you were preaching today, you got to me. And I said, Nick, that's not me. That's the Lord." I said, if God is speaking to you, don't say no. We went back to church that night. I was on my way to the pulpit, had my Bible, and I was going. And all of a sudden, a woman stands up and she starts testifying. And she sits down, and a man stands up. He starts testifying and said, It's just good to sense the Lord's presence in the house and sits down. And I said, Wow, it's pretty cool. Well, next thing you know, another one stands up. And then my mother in law stands up. Now I'm getting nervous. Forty-five minutes and I still hadn't got to preach yet. All of a sudden, my buddy Nick, he stands up sitting about right where you are, sir. Now this is what I was thinking. I said, oh no. He's going to tell them all about my past. I better find a door to get out of here. And this is what he said. He said, I'm a sinner. He said, I don't know what I'm doing standing up here. But he said, two seconds ago, I just got saved. Man, I, I, hallelujah, man. It got down right Pentecostal in that place. Man, I jumped so high, I don't know if my head hit the ceiling, but I said, whoa, man. And then I started thinking. I said, well, Lord, I don't know if you can do that. I had not even preached yet. And can you, you know what I've discovered about the Lord? He can do whatever He wants to, whenever He wants to, however He wants to, and He might include us in on it if we decide to obey Him. Next week I got a phone call from the committee and they booked every one of my open schedule until they could call me as pastor. And that was the first and only church I pastored for 15 years before starting call to Africa. I stand before you today. Nobody's significant. Probably the way they thought about David, even his own brothers, his own fathers didn't think much about him. But in the eyes of God... He sees something very significant. When He looks at you, He's already provided everything you need to be born again. Maybe some of you are like I was. Maybe you've gone through the motions and God is saying today's the day and now's the time for you to submit to Him in obedience. Saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Just a moment we will give you an opportunity to do that. But everyone here, this message is for you. Where does God find you in the midst of the place of obedience? Even as our brother Bill was sharing that he had that conversation with his mom about one of his sons, how quickly will we go to everyone else before we simply talk to God about it? And God is just simply saying, Hey, wait a minute. Let's put everyone's life in order right now, this morning. Let's have a God moment. I don't know what your place of obedience is. But I can tell you this, you and God know it. If it's to be saved, then today's the day. Some of you may be dealing with a call of God on your life. You may say, I don't know how it's going to work. I I still don't know how this thing works. But I can tell you, God is able. Others of you here may be wrestling with some area of your life, your marriage, your children. I don't know what it is. And you may be wanting God to fix it, But God has sent me by to remind us the best way He can fix your family or your problems is to fix you and to call you to the place of obedience. And if you'll submit to Him and obey Him, Jesus said it this way, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be added. Stop seeking everything else. Seek Him. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Today, if the Lord has spoken to you about your salvation, you know what He's saying, and you know who's speaking. If today you'd like to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, and just simply raise your hand wherever you're at. I just want to pray for you. Just thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just... Thank you. Thank you. I'm just... Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to pray for you, and then I'm going to ask, if you mean business with God, Pastor Mike and Journey Church have set up a room in the back. They just want to talk with you and pray with you and help you in any kind of way. I just want to pray for you and give you an opportunity. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus for that measure of faith to trust you, and even now, to believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, be born again, have our sins forgiven, and become a child of God. Even today, thank you, Father. Head still bowed, eyes still closed. Whatever it is the Lord is saying to you, today, you need to obey God. Whatever that means. Whatever that looks like. Doing what God says when He says, with the right attitude. God sees what's in your heart. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, for those who pray to receive You as Lord and Savior, the greatest of all miracles has happened today. And Father, I pray for those who pray to receive You, that they will just simply allow themselves to be put on the pathway of obedience to You. Father, for others here, whatever it is You're saying, You know every heart in this place and you know what you're requiring of us and me too. So Lord, I pray that this day you find us in the place of obedience, the pathway of miracles. In Jesus' name.